Hey, everybody. Thank you for listening to Swarfcast. Before we start, we have a quick favor to ask you. If you love the show, please rate it and write a review on your podcast app. Or tell somebody about it. It really makes a difference for us, and we'd appreciate it. Okay, on with the show. So we all have lots of great ideas, but actually implementing them is extremely difficult. And if it's an idea that's not really understood very well, then a lot of your time is spent educating people as to the benefit. This is Swarfcast. I'm Noah Graff. Today's guest on the podcast is Rick Miller, owner and co-founder of Elijah Tooling, a company that sells innovative CNC workholding equipment. Rick has a knack for coming up with unique products and has several patents in the workholding sector. He says that innovative ideas are vital for success, but getting customers to buy into those ideas is what makes for a successful business. Looking for a screw machine, rotary transfer machine, or CNC machine? Graf Pinkert's got you covered. When you're buying any used machine, you're taking a risk. So it's important to buy from someone who knows their stuff and who is going to give you straight information about what you're buying. Graf Pinkert is a family-owned firm that's been dedicated to selling great machine tools to the turn parts industry for 75 years. It specializes in the top multi-spindle brands, including Index, Schutte, Gildemeister, Tornos, ZPS, Acme, and Wickman. They also sell a variety of other types of used equipment, such as CNC Swiss, CNC turning centers, and parts washers. Machine tools are complicated. If you're going to buy one, you should go to people who are knowledgeable and committed to the industry. Learn more at www.graffpinkert.com. That's www.graffpinkert.com. I am thrilled to have Rick Miller of Elijah Tooling. Welcome to the show, Rick. Uh, it's really great to have you. Thanks, Noah. I met Rick because he inquired about a Sugami BO385 that we had on uh, online. And unfortunately, we didn't have the machine that he needed, but it was a really good chance to get to know him and talk about other things that we could collaborate on or sell to him, etc. And I said we had to do a podcast. So here we are. Awesome. So first, uh, I want a brief summary of your company, and then I want to get your background and, and how we got to where we are today. Sure. I'll try to be really, really brief. So we started in 1990 as a programming company, myself, my two brothers, and another guy. We spent about seven years or so developing our, our capabilities. Programming for what? Programming primarily for milling machines. Okay. So we purchased a, a mini mainframe and loaded the... Katia software so that we could talk to the big companies. How long ago was this? 1990. Okay. So we think of that as the bleeding edge of outsourced programming. That was sort of in the beginning of that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. They were uh, outsourcing accounting and things like that. But for NC programming, it was fairly rare. We gave that a go. We did pretty well at it as far as our technical capabilities. 
But from the financial, you know, business standpoint, we weren't very good at it. We were heavily in debt. And so heavily in debt, that may sound great to some people, but it wasn't to us. It was a rock we were carrying around on our back. So we started uh, trying to develop some other methods and other ways of uh, income. We, our first product was a piece of software that we, we bombed at, completely bombed at. And then our next product was the work holding fasteners that we still still make to this day. What was the thing that you bombed at? It was a, a type of, um, it was an interface for Katia. Again, you're talking a pretty long time ago. Yeah, what is Katia for people like me that don't know what it is? Well, Katia is a, a pretty well-known CAD system that is, and used for CAM as well that, you know, your really big companies, the Boeings, the Airbuses, the, you know, the Lockheeds of the world, this particular piece of software is able to bring in the millions of parts that make up airplanes and um, uh, manage it all the way through. So it's, it's really, uh, it's not only is it really expensive software, but it's uh, vastly important to uh, specifically aerospace. So you guys had come up with like a software for a specific application? So what we would find is transferring data back and forth was problematic. Uh And we thought we could uh, do a better job of it. So we created a piece of software to do that. Interesting. Yeah, it worked. The software worked, but we sold one license. So that's not very many licenses. Okay, so so then you and your brothers, how many brothers? Two. Two two other brothers, okay. And you put your heads together and you said... We had one other uh, partner at the very beginning, but he wasn't with us very long. Okay, and how did you come up with the idea to do work-holding stuff? Well, we were NC programmers, so... Uh, over time, NC programmers, a lot of them would learn tool working, tool holding. Um, they could double as a tool designer. Probably some tool designers would take, uh, you know, exception to that. But we were able, We a lot of times we were designing our own jigs. Uh, you'd get parts, you had to program them, you had to figure out how to hold and locate them. So that was just part of our job, really. So then you came up with this work holding equipment and what was the what was the thing that that caused you to come up with you know explain first explain why is this work holding equipment different from all other work holding equipment <laughs> well and and why and why do we only eat unleavened bread tonight yeah what what makes it unique in the world right yeah why would anybody be interested in doing it so the it's a type of fastener. We we call it a captive fastener, and it is used to eliminate bolts and clamps in work holding. Okay. So in those days, our primary purpose was simply to get rid of all the setup sheets that went along with these programs. Yet you had to have sheets of paper that told people when to change clamps, where to change clamps, and how often. Mm-hmm. And so by incorporating this simple device, we were able to get rid of a, a significant number of clamp changes. 
And so that's that was really the impetus. So you were automating. You were automating the process in a way. Yeah, we we talk about it in terms of standardization. Mm-hmm. Creating a process that if you use it over and over and over again, you'll make money, a lot of money, actually. Mm-hmm. So just take me into this process. Uh, so you and your brothers and your partner, I want to know what, what was the brainstorming process like? You were just saying like, okay, this programming thing is not working. What, 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 are, what are the pain points? Or... It, it really wasn't like that. What, what, the idea was not brand new. But what was brand new about it was that we had made it an off-the-shelf part. You could buy it, in other words. Versus having to go and have it customized and order it separately. Yeah, people would actually take pieces, parts, and weld them together. And it was just a hodgepodge kind of way of doing things. The idea was a good one. But we don't really, we don't say, hey, we thought of that. We didn't think of that. What we did is improve it vastly. And it's been improved over the years a number of times. We've had, I think we have maybe three patents on our our work, our work holding fasteners now, something like that. Mm-hmm. We thought the idea was great. We didn't think the implementation was great. And we didn't think that, we knew that we couldn't just buy it. You couldn't just go buy the thing. So we, our idea was to make it, so in those days, it came from the back of the fixture, which was very inconvenient. If it broke, if it was damaged, if it didn't work for some reason, you had to pull the fixture off the machine and repair it. What we did is take uh, the idea of having a, a, a fastening component coming up out of your fixture and it screwed in from the top of the fixture. So if you damaged it or had a problem with it, you just screwed it out. It was easy. Can you um, show us something? Show us one of the fixtures real quick so it's less abstract for the people lucky enough to be watching this. Yeah. So this, let's see if I can. Oh, interesting. This is a small one. And it's really mostly for show. But you can see that here's your fastener that we're talking about. And then we have, so our fixtures consist of basically two components, the fastener that holds things, and we call this a zip bushing that locates things and locates and hold things. And you just put them in this pattern like this. So what happens is you can create a a fixture like this and eliminate a whole bunch of dedicated fixtures. This is the concept. We, we, We say that we're, a flat plate manufacturer of quick change tooling, which is a unique niche in the marketplace. Uh huh. You can buy the fasteners. So here's our fasteners, a tube of our fasteners. You can buy them. They have an instruction sheet with them. You can see the instruction sheet and then you can see the fasteners here. So you can buy the fasteners and put them into your fixture or you can buy the fixtures from us. But either way, through the standardization uh, a pro- process of doing this, you can you can save setup time and cycle time and a lot of trouble. Yeah, well, um, you know, I've looked at your your blog on your website, which is very interesting, I have to say. And you talk about you've come up with various equations of how much money you can save. Yeah, 
Give us your pitch. <laughs> Give us a pitch. Well, we're we're quick change work holding in a modular sense. I mean, and it, typically you see our stuff in high speed machining, um, a lot of aerospace manufacturing, aluminum parts specifically, but also titanium and hard metals. There's a lot of ways to use quick change. But you said I saw on one of the videos you said it'll save you X amount of money. So, oh yeah, you know, get, give me the way you calculated that. Yeah, we well, we just took the number of hours that that what we did is we compared a setup in which you had clamps and you had to change clamps versus not having clamps and not changing clamps. And all we did is sort of speculate as to. Uh, how many times you might change that fixture in a month. It was really, really conservative. Uh, we, we didn't want to go over the top with it. <laughs> but even so, you know, I think we came up with about $4,000 in savings per month. Wow. So it was, it's fairly significant if you start multiplying that across your machines. So I hate when people do this, ask, well, what's the ROI on this or whatever? But yeah. so what would be the ROI? How much investment would it take for you to make back that $4,000 a month? Or it just yeah, depends think, on how much production you're doing. And Yeah, absolutely. The, the fixtures themselves can be very complex and expensive, or they can be not as complex and not as expensive. So you really have to look at the total cost that you're going in with. So for example, I just visited a customer last week. They had, I won't mention any competitors' names, but they had- <laughs> Why not? Yeah. I wanna, yeah. well, you don't have to, but I mean, I'm curious who <laughs> well, your competitors are. Well, they'll recognize the device that I'm talking about. They had zero point locating. And they told us the figure that they had spent on this uh, zero point locating, it was about, I want to say it was $80,000 or something like that in, in a single machine. And they were, they were uh, cutting these tiny little parts. And all they were doing is just removing a little piece of that part. And immediately my, my mind is starting to chink the numbers and thinking, okay, the, the machining of that must take seconds. The amount of material they're removing is nothing. So, how many millions of parts does it take just to pay back the cost of that tooling? So it, it, you really, the whole ROI thing is something that, that any businessman really needs to think about regardless of what he's doing. Mm -hmm. It does not like, you know, even software. We're looking at some ERP software right now, and that's our question. How do we get our money back? And so we're always asking that question and we're all always thinking in terms of how can the customer get their money back from buying this product and these uh, methods of work holding. Mm -hmm. It's a really simple equation for us. We don't, we don't see it as a hard sell at all. Okay. So one of the things that we, we talked about before was you said, you know, the invention part isn't that, isn't the big deal. It's the making people understand how they're going to use your product after you've built it. Yeah, absolutely. Give, give me, give me your, your insight on that. 
Yeah, well, I have a kind of a funny story. My wife claims that she's the one who invented the roller bag that you see in the airports. You know, people pulling the bag and it's got wheels on it. Really? When did she when did she invent that? Well, that's the thing. It was her idea. But if you think about it, so we all have lots of great ideas, but actually implementing them is extremely can be extremely difficult. And if it's an idea that's not really understood very well, then a lot of your time is spent educating people as a benefit. Mm -hmm. And so it, it, that's the difficulty for in our case. We've, we've always been stronger in the organizational managerial type area. But in the marketing and sales, that's where we had difficulty. We're working on it. but No, uh, it definitely seems sure. like you are. But I guess my question is, some people say, and some inventors, they say, it's really not that hard to come up with new ideas. They're like, you know, the, the, a lot of people, they come up with one idea and they're really scared that somebody else is going to take that idea and they don't want to share anything. And they're, you know, and I, I'm sometimes the same way, like even just with a certain strategy or, or something. Um, but then you hear other gurus and they say no you should have a gazillion ideas if you're an idea person it should just uh it should just keep coming out and and then you'll you'll keep coming out with something and my impression is maybe that that is your attitude it's the ideas aren't that hard it's making the ideas a reality and and getting people to adopt them is is that your thing or or are ideas to you oh, yeah. a sacred a sacred, um, limited commodity? Well, I don't think they're limited, and I don't think they're sacred. Uh, I do think that the marketing, the, the mechanics of getting a product out in the marketplace is why most products never get to the marketplace. I've got, I actually have an example of that right here. Let's see if I can get it out. So I don't know if anybody can see this. So this was one of my ideas. Uh, yeah, I don't know there you go. There you go. So this is just a, about all a of type of T-slot vice. And you can see we literally made it. I mean, it, it's physical and you can move it around and it actually works on some level. So is it a good idea? Well, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it didn't sell. We, we, we presented it to the customer and they didn't like it. They didn't buy it. So the reality is there's the idea. We made it. It's cool. But there's a lot more to getting a product out in the marketplace than just making it. Yeah. Thinking of it or even coming up with something that's a great idea, a superior idea. Do you feel like maybe you didn't uh, you just didn't do a good job of getting people to believe in that product? Very possibly. Very possibly. But it appears that you've let that one kind of lay dormant and go for something else. For now. Yeah. So here's another product. So this looks like a really simple product. Uh-huh. Describe it for the people listening. This is, we call this a zip pushing. And it's a combination of two products. If you can see, this is a bushing and a threaded insert. Mm -hmm. And together in a fixture, you can use them for, you can put a dowel pin in there. You can put a shoulder screw in there. You can put a screw in there. But they're two different products two different products and they have to be collinear 
they have to be related to each other in a circle so that beyond that, they're just a pain to install. So what we did is we created a combination product. So here's the bushing. Everybody's familiar with the bushing. Here's the threaded insert and they go together in a fixture. So what we did is we created this. Now you can see similar characteristics, a threaded outside, uh, precision outside diameter. But what's different is this bushing on the top has to be pressed into the fixture and you can't get it out. This bushing, it has teeth in it. And so you can drive it in and out in seconds. So seems like an easy, easy idea, no big deal. It's taken us five years to get to this point. Five years. Yeah. And, but the thing is, um, it's fantastic. And we've, we've been really excited about it. We just got the patent on it uh, a couple months ago. So that's one of your three patents. We have more than three patents. I said three patents on our fasteners. Okay. Yeah, how, many, have, how many patents do you guys have? A lot. We have eight. We have eight right now. Okay. Now, who who is the the maestro behind this? Are, are you the one that like is sitting with the pencil and paper coming up with all this stuff? Yeah. I mean, I don't. Or are I you don't, like Steve Jobs and you're just going around a room with like a whip and saying, no. "Give me a better fastener." <laughs> yeah. No. That's not what happens. But yes, the ideas are, I think the Bible says there's nothing new under the sun, something like that. So you, the, one of the reasons you meet your customers and you try to, to know them better is to figure out what they can use and what will benefit them. Mm -hmm. So it's not like, so for example, this product, it's patented because it's unique in the world. It's novel. But... It's novel only to the point that these two things, so it was an improvement on this. Yeah. But it's yeah. a vast improvement on this. So the idea is already there. All we did is make it better. And a lot of ideas are like that. Yeah. No. We just make things better. And what machine did you make that on, out of curiosity? That BO385 was the first machine that we made this on. With no guide bushing. That's right. Hmm. That is exactly right. Hey, anybody out there, uh, shameless uh, self-promotion or, or whatever, anybody out there who has a uh, Sugami 32 millimeter or 80 or 38 millimeter that has no guide bushing in it. Yeah, we're looking for one. Give me a call. Not not Rick. And, uh, <laughs> uh, and um you know, That's okay. who know we'll, we'll let you do that. Who knows? Maybe maybe we can um, help enable him to come up with some more innovative products. Yeah, absolutely. Listeners, do you have an idea for a future episode of Swarfcast? Or is your company interested in advertising on the Swarfcast podcast? If so, please send us an email at swarfcastpodcast at gmail.com. That's swarfcastpodcast at gmail.com. Okay, uh, so another thing that you do that's pretty interesting on your blog, you have you have a vlog, you have videos. Yeah. 
And I, I that was what one of the things that I noticed when, you know, often when people contact us about machines, I go to their site and check that out. Explain the story behind that and, and that how that's helped your business. Because I know a lot of our listeners, uh, you know, they're always looking for ways to promote their business. Yeah. Okay, well, um, backstory just a little bit. I have eight children. Wow. And I have, yeah, and two of my boys are entrepreneurs. How old are they? Uh, my oldest is 34. Okay. And my youngest is 14. Wow, okay. I'm sorry, well, she just turned 15 two days ago. And those are the two entrepreneurs, the oldest and the youngest? No, no, the oldest... <laughs> And the third oldest. So the third oldest is a millennial, and he started a business in uh, social media marketing. Mm-hmm. And he's the one that said to me, hey, you need to think about making videos. It's the and, highest the highest search engine thing. Yep, yep. So we hired him. And and so we were his first customer, I believe. Very cool. Yeah. So and he's still in business. He's been in business a couple of years now. Um, the Uptown Agency, just in case anybody wants to know. But he he kind of was on the leading edge of you know the social media marketing. He had been watching. I can't remember the guy's name. He's probably told me this guy's name fifty times now. But it was a guy that sold wine and had a... Oh, yeah. Uh, you know um, what I'm talking about? What is his name? Uh, Vinny D? No. Uh, yeah. No, I, I, I've, I've read his book. Listen yeah, he's kind of famous, right? Yeah. He went from a very small vineyard to $60 million in sales, like, instantly through social media marketing. Gary... Gary... Yeah, Vanderchuk. Gary V. Yeah, yeah. that's it. Gary Vanderchuk. So, you know, he had been following this guy. And so I tried to get out of making the videos. I tried to get other people. In fact, Joe did the first video for us. He Joe is your son. Yeah, he did it. And but we just didn't get the response. And and we had several people kind of try it. And then I tried it and people responded to me. Yeah. So I've kept making them. And it takes a lot of time. But it's kind of fun, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of fun. I, I, I wouldn't have imagined myself in that spot a couple of years ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, you have to keep trying different things and it makes your, your brain sharp. What is your secret to keeping your mind sharp to keep coming up with new ideas? Well, I think a big... Big secret for me that I, and I have a, a blog about it. I just put it out within the last couple months, which I go on sabbaticals. Uh-huh. Um, week long, yeah, week long separation from society. From your family, from everything? Yep. Where do you yep. go? Oh, it's all over. I've been to uh, North Carolina, I've been to Colorado. The last one was in Oklahoma. Um, yeah, I, I we rent a house someplace and I stay there for about a week. We or you alone? Yeah, just me. Okay. No um, no TV, no radio, as little phone as I can as I can get. 
What about a computer? Yeah, oh yeah, I gotta have a computer. Gotta do work. Because that's where you're designing. Yeah, well, not necessarily designing. I mean, it, 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 it just depends on what I'm doing. I read. I have a great deal of my life is about my faith. So I pray, I, I, I read, I What's journal. Your, what, what is your faith? I believe that um, Jesus Christ is, you know, the, the guy that we're celebrating here in the next <laughs> week um, came to save the world and okay. came to save us from our sins. That's my... That's my faith. And how does that figure? It sounds to me like you're saying it it in some way figures into your creative process. Yeah, isn't that fascinating? Well, I mean, you're not the first person who's told me that, but it's an interesting synthesis. So shed a little light on that. I, I would really encourage you and anybody else to go watch my vlog on on my sabbatical. But basically what I said is, Connect with the creator. That's where it all comes from. Mm-hmm. So the the creation is amazing. It's beyond belief. And we can tap into that. We can tap into the God of the creation. So, and I believe that many ideas are inspired that way. So you're saying that, okay, you're on sabbatical. Yeah. And... You're kind of looking up and looking for inspiration and you, how does God give you inspiration when you're trying to come up with a fastener? Well, so it doesn't quite work like that. It's, I don't really go into it with any particular thing that I'm going to get out of it. Okay. That makes sense. The, the inspiration for ideas I don't know that I've had any of those that happened on sabbatical, but there have been several things that happened on sabbatical that absolutely changed us, changed our lives, changed our business. Absolutely. And so um, just I'm not counting just um, products as the uh, what came out of those sabbaticals. So I'll give you an example, and I talk about this in my vlogs too. But how many vlogs do you have? There's uh, maybe sixty. And how often do you put them out? We try to do it weekly. You're ambitious, man. Yeah, yeah. We try. I mean, we're trying to make a business just out of that, and it's enough effort to put out too. And like, anyways, go on. So you were saying how you? But I gotta tell you that this one, this one concept that. I mean, everybody knows, but nobody does, is get out of debt. I mean, that came to me <laughs> on sabbatical. I was absolutely convinced. I'm done. I am done. This is not what I'm supposed to be doing. We cut up the cards and... Oh, for, your, for, for yourself personally? Our business. For our business and for us personally. But what about the miles? The miles. What? what yeah, miles? like I just paid for a plane trip to Europe just from the miles for oh. my card. Oh, okay. Yeah. So we had to kind of work through that kind of thing because we do have a line of credit now, but I pay it off every other day, so I'm I'm never in debt to it. So your business is all in. It's all in cash. Your company. All in cash. All the machines. All the, everything, everything is cash. You never finance a machine. 
We have. We have in the past. Um, but, for example, we just bought, I'm not going to name the machine, but the price is over 200000 Let's just put it like that. Okay, come on. Name, name the machine. We want to know. Give us specifics. Uh, no. It's a competitive. We're Right now, we're not sure we want everybody on earth to know. Okay. Okay. It's something that's fascinating, though, that, that uh, I don't know whether, yeah, maybe you can appreciate it, but we... We used to go to trade shows more often and we would see people coming to our booth who were our competitors mm-hmm. and spending a lot of time there. Interesting. And then we would see our ideas out there in the world and it's like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. So we're careful. We're not, we don't tell everybody everything. But I thought you said a second ago that ideas were easy to come, come up with and it was the execution. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, but we we do go to the trouble of, of patenting things. Uh-huh. Um, what we're doing is creating barriers. We we do need some barriers between us and the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. But I guess to go back to my point is that buying things in cash um, has freed us up in so many ways. Uh, I, I just cannot um, express how awesome that that our life is you can't uh articulate how how much better things are oh it's amazing it's amazing we're we're so much better off now well i'm sure it's just a huge weight off your shoulders it is it is and was it difficult to get in cash oh yeah yeah it sure was i mean lots of people would love to to be in cash yeah. Well, I, my advice to them would be just start. Yeah. Start working on it. Um, so I'm, I'm fascinated by the sabbatical thing. I'd love to yeah. do one. Okay. Yeah. So give me the, um, give me like the scoop. What would you, what is your, your day on a sabbatical like? Yeah. Okay. Um, so on sabbatical, I try to separate from influences uh, outside myself, um, and especially the company. So I don't want to be burdened by everything that's going on back home. Yeah. So that's why we, we try our best not to spend time on the phone as little emailing as possible. It's not always possible. We just do the best we can, but I focus on exercise, sleep, rest, because so often that this is the thing that gets depleted. How much sleep do you normally get? Maybe six hours, mm-hmm. somewhere around there. And then on your on your sabbatical, what do you get? Nine, ten? Oh yeah, and and it's also I eat when I'm only when I'm hungry, and I sleep when I'm tired. And sometimes that you would find me asleep in the middle of the afternoon. Interesting. Or anytime, you know, it's fascinating when you start listening to your body and just do what it, what it's telling you to do. Yeah. And then do you write when you're, yeah, I do. I write, I, I journal, I research things. I, I get ideas about, you know, just, just different things. Uh, And uh, I'll, I'll dig. And, and this is my opportunity to spend time trying to figure out something or dig into it. Read. Like, what will you, what will you read? 
what will I read? Whatever happens to be of interest at that moment. Self-help, Bible, some, some, novel. Yep. All those things. Yep. Wow. Very interesting. Um, yeah. So I have, like, this is, oh, here. Here's my journal. One of them. How, mu- how often do you write in your journal? I write probably three to five times a week. Yeah. But on sabbatical, I, I could write, you know, 30, 40, 50 pages. What do you write in your journal on your, I, I try to write every single day. Um, what do you, what do you like? Do you just kind of write what happened during the day and then whatever reflections come? Yeah. The things that I'm thinking about. Yep. The, those insights that we went on sabbatical to go, you know, why we went there. Um, yeah. It's, yeah. it's, I love the, the part of it's a little scary for me because I feel there's some pressure to like make it quote worth it, you know? Uh, yeah. Yeah. So I, I went away, I, I, my family, my company didn't have me for that period of time. So there's a little bit of pressure. I'm supposed to yeah, accomplish like, something. Right. You got to make it count since you're away. And then that's probably not the thing that makes you productive. That's right. That's right. And if we can just focus on, I think in my vlog, I mentioned something like, you know, athletes work hard and they have to rest. They have to recover. Yeah. And so as a business owner, there's a lot of pressures and stresses and the sabbatical gives me the chance to just let it go. Yeah. So before we wrap this up, um, I mean, there's so many other things we can talk about because I, I know you've you've talked about various different philosophies you're building with your business, and I, I think it'll have to be a future podcast. Uh, but give me give me like your top reflection going into 2020. Maybe give me your top reflection about 19 and your top reflection about 20. Wow, that's a that's a, okay. Something, something that um, is in your gut. Not, I'm not just talking about some yeah. theoretical thing about my business or whatever. A, a feeling. Yeah. No, I, I, there is something in my gut. So a lot of times, I think businesses and maybe smaller businesses, especially, don't really spend a lot of time on their mission or their vision. And the more that I dig into that, the more I realize that really all of life is about what our why, in essence. Why are we doing what we do? Where are we going? How are we getting there? And the this this that's rattled around a lot in the last year. We're really working on it here at Elijah Tooling. We've been it's it's something we review it's something we talk about and and the more i i do this business thing i realize that there's you can have a vision for the business but then there are subsets you know your production area can have its vision your administrative area can have its vision and these all tie into the the vision for the business and then the mission and so for 19 i feel like that those two things really became front and uh, front and center for us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In 20, we are um, 
looking to build on our growth. We're growing pretty well. And so the mission and vision, of course, will play a big role in it. But we're trying to, um, uh, like I said, sort of get to the next level. And that, that involves empowering people, creating systems that are valuable. You're really not going to be able to sell to people. Um, you're limited by your systems. So the, the, the better the systems, the more likely your customers are going to do business with you. They, ultimately, it's about trust. If they believe that when they order X, Y, and Z, they're going to get it, and when they use yeah. it, it works, and that it's reliable, this is trust. Um, even the way we, we, you know, we talk about packaging our products, that matters because it's creating trust. So we're, we're thinking about the idea of scaling and uh, yeah, what I that means that. for us. And we've started, like I said, we, there are some things that we put into place that are moving into 2020. And uh, that's what we'll be focusing on in the next year is our, our scaling efforts to, to move uh, into our, our future. Oh, it sounds like you have a really good plan. We have one, yeah. I mean, it's, it's like uh, you heard the thing about the Mike Tyson, right? Like Mike Tyson says, uh, he once said, everybody comes into the fight with a plan. Until they get punched in the gut. <laughs> or is it punched in the face? I'm not sure. But it sounds like your plan is you, you're, you're already continuing something in place. And that's, that's really impressive. Well, I think that it, it, to go to your analogy, getting punched in the gut, man, that happens all the time in business i mean things i feel like every single day i'm punched in the gut and then i have to like get up and like make my own punch exactly i mean that is that happens every single day and i think that's that is part of learning to be a businessman is just getting that perspective it, it, you're gonna get hit there's that that comes with the territory yeah just be flexible. Be flexible in your thinking. Be willing to, to change. Be willing to adapt to what is happening, what your customers are saying, what your products are saying. When we have trouble with our products, we don't just sit there on our hands. We fix them. We we modify them. They are our customers are 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 made whole. Wow. So it, it's just a whole big the whole thing is trust. Wow. Rick, this has been great. Um I really appreciate you coming on the show and uh, I look forward to having a, a good relationship um, going forward. I, I, I learned some, some interesting things and have good things to reflect on. So thank you. Thanks, Noel.